Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to the Deceptively Fast Podcast. I'm joined once again after a one-week hiatus because our our creative juices ran dry after Hard Knocks was, was finished. It was my bye our, week. Our reality juice, uh, the the tap ran dry. It was my deceptively fast bye week. So now I think we're going to do this. You are the noted station gambling expert. Yeah. Do you have a nickname yet? Do you have, like, uh, Sean the Badger or no, something like that? No, no, but I've been joking during our show that I my, my my domain within which I give these picks, I call Sean Vada. Sean Vada. Which is like Bovada, but with Sean in front of it. Okay. Yeah. Can you trademark that? It's not a bad idea. You know what? I'm gonna, well, while we're sitting here talking, I'm going to see if anybody – see if SeanVada.com is available. Get on the uh, trademarkcommission.org uh, or whatever it is. I just put it into Safari, and it can't find the server. So <laughs> now – but one of the listeners is going to squat on it now and make me uh, – Make me pay for it, and I and uh, I am I'm also a big fan of the phrase "gamble cast" because I have always felt, Seth, that with the advent of all these different feeds that you can watch games through now, you know, we get everything served to us on a silver platter, like like a, the college football championship game. If yep. you don't want to watch the regular feed, you can watch the coaches sitting there BSing about it, or you can watch another feed that's very numbers driven. I have always felt that there should be a feed that you can watch of two guys that aren't really doing play-by-play. They're just watching the game and observing and giving their observations, but they each have a ton of bets on the game, mm-hmm. like prop bets, bets, and maybe and, – and the best would be if they were on opposite sides because then there would be a little bit of tension. Right, and mm-hmm. it's – I'm coming around to it. I honestly was so scared of gambling for such a long time, on sports especially because it's drilled into your head how bad a thing it is unless you go to Boston College. And <laughs> I don't I, – I get it now because you're watching and you're realizing, oh, wow, on a normal Thursday night football game, not like last night's Thursday night football game, which was actually exciting, it brings so much more emotional investment in it if you're literally financially invested well, in it. Well, and last night's was exciting from that standpoint too because it was a uh, – it was a uh, – uh, Cleveland Browns minus three and a half. Right. Which the last time the Browns were were favored in a game was probably a couple of years ago because they you know they've won one game in the last two years. So it was a game where it looked like the Jets were gonna run away with that thing and, and if you had Jets plus three and a half like I did last night, I felt really good about that bet. And then Baker got in that game and I almost at halftime placed a second half bet on the Browns. You know, you can bet the second half of the game. Um, just to kind of get a, a nice middle. You know, where uh, if maybe the final score lands somewhere in between my Jets plus three and a half and my Cleveland second half bet, I didn't do it. I should have because then I would have at least balanced out the two bets. Yeah. You know, it just paid juice. So, um, but but last night's game was really exciting. It was, you know, minus three and a half. So that two point conversion where they tied the game up was really critical. And I almost think that things. maybe I'm starting to come around to this to the point where. 
can you call yourself a true knowledgeable sports fan if you don't gamble on the games? If you think about like learning how to play pool, yeah, like uh, you're you're pretty good at it. But then once you start gambling and doing it for money, all of a sudden you get really, really good at pool. I feel like if I want to genuinely know exactly what's going on in the league, I need to have money on the line. You, I've said this to a lot of people. When I have been at my most knowledgeable about certain sports is when I've been betting on them. You yeah. know, there, there have been years where I didn't bet on basketball, didn't bet on the NBA, didn't bet on college basketball, and then there have been years where I've bet – I don't say heavily, like for me, heavily, you know, like I'm not a, my max bet on a game is like a hundred bucks or something like that. But I have, I'm never more knowledgeable about a team, about a player, about a sport than when I'm betting on that team player or sport, because you're emotionally invested. So you really do sense the nuances of what a winning player is and what a losing player is. Like all those stats they throw at you about, you know, yards per attempt and, you know, all the, you know, blah, 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 blah. There are certain guys you just know from gambling on them, like this is not a guy I trust in this situation, or this is a guy I want to fade every chance I get and right. bet against him. I'm always amazed with people that bet the horses, just how how in tune they get with specific jockeys. Yeah, that's next level. I, I, I'm not there. I, I'm not. I I bet the horses when I go to the derby or if I go to the track. Well, it's the same thing. You have to be if you actually want to be good yeah. at it. However, you define good, you got to be watching every day, like at the same track, and know all those same guys, right? Yeah. You yes. You you need. You, you need to know all those little details. So, but your your hypothesis, like I think you're you're on the right track, in my opinion. Where I think you can be a knowledgeable, good host or broadcaster oh, without, sure. without, yeah, without gambling, without yeah. without gambling. But I do think unequivocally, if you were to gamble on games, the emotional investment that you make has you watching the game that much closer mm. and it makes you it just keeps you it keeps your edge it keeps you completely engaged it was like when i started taking money for sex uh i became much you, better you got at better it. People, at it people have an expectation it makes sense you want to you don't want to leave any customers dissatisfied i might be the opposite when it comes to when i get paid for a speaking appearance i i had this last night mike Meltzer and i went out um to speak to a group of lawyers and i almost feel that when i'm getting paid for it i try too hard and so I try to go into now I'm trying to go into these speaking appearances when I'm getting paid and act like I'm not getting paid. Last night I don't think it went that well. I wasn't pleased with my performance. I went very loose. I had uh, Mike's actually sitting in the studio with us. He's sh- he's shaking his head. He's saying it went uh, very well. I brought Mike along to be my college football expert. Okay. Because uh, but I I thought we were going to be spooky. I didn't know what kind of crowd I was going to be speaking to, and I figured out real early on that there weren't that many avid NFL fans there. Oh wow. And I'd say less than maybe 25% of them were even Texans fans. Yeah. So I went in with a bunch of Texans propaganda for these people and it, I had to change course immediately. So uh they're being paid for it. That still went it, it went pretty well. I thought maybe you brought Mike because he goes to law school. I didn't you know, like if I'm going to be in this room full of lawyers, I better have somebody with me that knows a little something about lawyering. You know, they were bankruptcy attorneys. Oh, really? And it was interesting, whatever stereotypes you have about lawyers, which are largely overblown. Yeah. But these guys were like the opposite of that stereotype. Yeah. They seemed like people that worked with clients who were beleaguered and they had to have some human side to yeah, them. You yeah, know, like for you sure. can't you can't be hard-edged a-hole. When your clients are always like your client is that 
the disadvantaged state whenever you're going in anywhere. Yeah, you got to have a bedside manner when you're that kind of attorney. These guys had actually worked on the local comic, the CSN Houston oh, yeah. case and everything. So I had a little firsthand experience there. I was, of course. I was taking checks from a a broadcast network that was going under. I was too. Did you get all those notifications like every three weeks about the progress of the whole bankruptcy? Yeah, I didn't. Stuff? I wasn't making enough money off of them to pay attention. I, I was, well, neither was I. Man, I, you know, I got my hundred bucks every time I yeah. go to Kevin Eschenfelder. I was show. like, assume, like, look, if this hundred dollar check doesn't go <laughs> through, it's not going to break me. No, no, I, I wasn't like James Palmer or something like that. But I know, but I got, I, you know, I got a check like. I probably did that show maybe once a week yeah. back in the day. Um, you pay child support. What's it like when you do when you have different gigs and you have smaller checks like that? Yeah. Does it get to be a clerical pain in the ass? No, because ultimately it's all decided off of my tax return. Oh, okay. Yeah. So at the end, you you don't have to change the economics every single time no, you get a check. No, and I never. Sometimes people have to have their their child support garnished from their paycheck. Uh-huh. Like if they're if the, if the lawyers involved, even on a ten ninety nine, or your spouse. Yeah, think you're they, if they. Well, I don't know about a ten ninety nine, but I but definitely from your main employer. There's a lot of times where people have the child support garnished. That's one of those things where if the divorce is super contentious, like the the, the receiving spouse will make the you know the the ex-spouse do that sometimes just to stick it to him a little bit. I, you know, I get along good with my ex-wife. So right. We've got a, an understanding. I feel like, I feel like if I were paying alimony and even if I hated my ex-spouse, I would do whatever I could to not keep my employer in the loop. I yes. don't want to like, okay, look, I, look, I despise you. I don't yeah, think you dude. deserve this money, dude. but I'm going to be a good soldier because I don't want my employer getting involved. Once that first penny gets garnished, they have a window into your world. That's right. You they're know? like, this is the guy. <laughs> yeah. Technically, they're not supposed to know, right? But if it's a small enough company and the, the well, boss you, is the HR guy. At and, the very least, at the very least, and, and our HR person is not here locally anymore, but at the very least, and I, I trust our former HR director, yeah. uh, but at the very but least. But now you don't even know who our HR yeah, director is. Yeah, at the very is. least, they're going to know because you got to fill out paperwork for it. Right, yeah. right. I don't I don't need that window into my world no. being open. Okay, so if we go this week, we're calling you. It's okay, so we're, we don't have a name for you specifically. Okay. We'll, we'll think about that. We'll brainstorm this over okay. time. Gamblecast isn't trademarked. I don't know that it is. I, I really we need to stop talking about this before yeah, until yeah. until you have that. That seems like a that that seems like a really viable name mm, for at least yeah. even the website and whatnot. Yeah, I uh, just put in Gamblecast and it comes to some sort of intro page, like just one of those home. Welcome to your site. This is your homepage. Yeah, somebody almost, owns that. <coughs> yeah, somebody owns that, and they're probably sitting on it waiting to get like twenty thousand dollars <laughs> yeah, for it. I'm yeah. shocked sometimes. Anything that has sports. In the dot com, yeah, like almost any three letters sports. Like I was gonna do DFC, uh, DFC sports for deceptively, yeah. fa- uh, no, uh, DFP sports, deceptively fast podcast sports dot com. Yeah, uh, nope, can't do it. Ten thousand dollars if you want that. Somebody's sticking to that. Yeah, sports is such a popular website. We can we can call this the Gamblecast if you want to. Okay, so yeah. the Friday Gamblecast. Friday Gamblecast. Yeah, the deceptively fast Friday Gamblecast. Yeah, it's Gamblecast. got a ring to it. It does. What are you? What's your strong feeling this week? Uh, I have a few of them. I and and uh, they. I'll start in the NFL, and I put my best bets up on HoustonPress.com. But this is more fun because you and I can talk about. It. And I write a paragraph about right. it. This is more fun. Blurbs. because I can get your. Uh, I can get your take. You on can it get as my well. completely novice, yeah, not even You're novice. You're a former level. NFL player, right? Who never gambled on the games, as far as anybody knows. Yeah, but you can at least tell me if my theories are asinine. Oh, or okay, not. good. Yes. Right. Yes. Okay. Um, 
my, probably my favorite NFL play of the week this week is the Ravens minus – it's actually up to minus five and a half now. It's minus five when I got it against mm-hmm. the Denver Broncos. And here's my rationale on that one. The Broncos have played two home games so far, and the Broncos are lights out at home in September. They're like 30-3 and three or something like that straight up over the last however many years in September in Denver. And the theory behind that is – that the elevation, guys aren't quite in football shape yet, especially this year. That's all we hear about in Houston is how rusty everybody is. Mm -hmm. So guys are going to altitude, and the Denver Broncos have an inherent advantage with that. They've won both their games, but it's been by a combined total of five points against two teams that are both 0-2 right now in Seattle and Oakland. I think Seattle's a little better than the 0-2 they've shown. I think Oakland might be really bad. But that game offensively was real dicey until the end last year, last week. So now you have Denver going on the road for the first time. They're going a couple time zones over and playing an early game, which is always tricky for Mountain and Pacific teams playing games that are, you know, 10, 11 o'clock your body, your body time. And I think the Ravens are a pretty good team. I, you know, I know they smoked Buffalo the first week. I, you know, the Cincinnati game was kind of back and forth on Thursday night last week. But they've had – that's the other thing. The Ravens have had 10 days to get ready for this game. Meanwhile, the Broncos are traveling cross-country with a regular – week of rest. I just really like this situation. I don't think the Broncos are as good as their 2-0 record, and I think the Ravens might be pretty decent this year. I think the Broncos' defense might be finally back on track, but I think the Ravens are going to deliver on a lot of the promise they showed in the preseason. Yeah. And it's as simple as, look, look Joe Flacco's strength is his arm strength. Mm-hmm. And he just sometimes has the wide receivers to complement it, sometimes he doesn't. John Brown, who I've been a huge fan of ever since he torched the Texans in the preseason, not that I'm happy he torched the Texans in the preseason four or five years ago. It was O'Brien's first preseason game. Yeah, and he just he took the heart out of the Texans' soul in a preseason game. A preseason game number one, he's got that genuine deep seed. He's got Michael Michael Crabtree, a guy who I counted out as dead five years ago, um, obviously has had his resurgence. And I think that Joe Flacco, simply from the pressure from Lamar Jackson and from being actually healthy, is going to be a much different Joe Flacco this year. I like the – I think the West Coast going to East Coast – I know that statistically it makes sense and it's true. I agree with it just from a physiological standpoint. That's, uh, uh, yeah. It's just so – I was a guy that was always very rigid with my schedule, my sleep schedule, all that. And even just going to the West Coast, I would get so messed up. You'd play an afternoon game on the West Coast, and you're if you're an early riser, which I am, yeah. I was up at 3.30 in the morning. Yep. There's nothing I could do to go back to sleep. And by the time you play the football game, it just feels like forever. And then conversely, these West Coast teams, even though it's only a two-hour difference from mountain time, it's just a it, – it's such a long trek. Um, the flying actually takes something out of you physiologically. Your body clock is – what time is that game? Is that it's a, a one o'clock? It's a Eastern. one o'clock game. Yeah, so yeah. you're playing at eleven a.m. by your body clock. Yeah, it takes a lot out of you. It's yeah. just you're just you feel like you're not when you even going from the central time zone over to the east coast. When I was all of a sudden playing, it a uh, it, it just felt di- no. Is actually I apologize. When I first came to Houston, and we started playing our games at noon instead of one o'clock, that was an adjustment my first season here. Because it felt like, man, I'm just not I'm not ready to play yeah, football at yeah. noon by my body clock. Right, right, right. So I think when you go from the West Coast to the East Coast um, and you're playing those 1 o'clock games Eastern time, you're you're just not ready for it. Yeah, I think it's a little something. Just here, just one other stat to keep in mind. John Harbaugh, you know, sometimes there are certain coaches who are really good with either extra rest or an extra week to prepare. We've always heard about how, Andy, how great Andy Reid is with an extra week. 
John Harbaugh with nine plus days of rest, sixteen and five in his last twenty-one games straight up, fourteen and seven against the spread. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. So he's a. Uh, I have always. How do you feel about that as a measure of a coach when they have the more preparation time? The they have the advantage. I think. It, I think there's something to it. Yeah. I. I mean, you you would know better than I would, but I think there's. I I think when it's a big enough sample size like that. It's something that definitely needs to be factored in. Andy Reid is the one. Doesn't he have kind of a uh, – he's not – he's he's okay in season openers, but after bye weeks he's devastatingly good. He's incredible good. with time to prepare. It's yeah. strange to me that he's not as good in the opening week where he's had a whole bunch of time to prepare, well, other it, than that he hasn't had time to see the tendencies of his opponent. And so has his opponent had all that time to prepare as well. When yeah. you think about it, you know, a lot of times teams aren't coinciding bye weeks with each other. Yeah. You know, one team's getting an advantage over another most of the time. Okay, so, so that, I that, like the Ravens. I yeah. Think, I think you might have turned me around on that one. Were you thinking Broncos in that game? Um, That's one of the games we have to pick for our uh, picks on the air this yeah, week. Yeah, we, we do those picks on air straight up, so it screws up everything when yeah. it comes to the memory. Okay, yeah. I'm uh, I'm with you on the Ravens. I'm going to start gambling this okay. weekend. <laughs> All right. Uh, my second one that I like is the Eagles minus seven. This one's actually up to minus seven and a half, which scares me a little bit. But the Eagles minus seven over the Indianapolis Colts. The Eagles are coming off a really bad loss to Tampa Bay last week. It was a loss that wasn't as close as the final score looks, so they look really bad. Carson Wentz is coming back this week, which I think will give the Eagles a big boost. They're going to be at home. The Colts have kind of a weird thing going where they're traveling they're traveling to the East Coast twice in two weeks to play opponents that are out of conference. So these are games that matter the least to the Colts that they're traveling if they travel to Washington and they won last week. So mm-hmm. that's another thing. If the Colts had been one of these 0 2 teams, I would have thought they'd be a little more desperate. But they beat Washington last week, which they weren't expected to do. So it's a little bit of house money. They're not expected to win this week. So I just think that dynamic of going from Indy to Washington, back to Indy for the week, and then back out to Philly for the week to play NFC teams that you're you're not used to seeing. Mm-hmm. You know, they never see the, the the next time they see the Redskins and the Eagles uh, is going to be four years from now. I'm curious about the way I'm hearing Andrew Luck being talked about, which is that, hey, you know, they're they're breaking him in, they're working him in slowly, they're doing shorter, more efficient routes, he's getting rid of the ball quickly. That's all well and good, but Andrew Luck is – it's not the same as a player coming back from a knee injury no. or something where you might want to protect him. I feel like he's either got it or he doesn't. And unless Frank Reich is this master strategist that is genuinely going to be able to just keep something close to the vest until they really, really need it, I'm not buying that. Yeah. I am I'm more want to think that <laughs> – he might just not have that incredible, like you like to call him, that super, that superhuman trait. Superpower. The yeah. superpower that yeah. he has, which one of the things for him is just his incredible arm strength yeah. and, his, and his touch on, on the deep ball. I don't, until I really see it, I'm not going to believe that it's there. And teams are going to start to adjust for that. Yeah. The, and the, the other thing, you know, that scares me a little bit in this game, but I just I feel strongly enough about the Eagles winning this game, and I feel strongly enough about the home field advantage and the dynamic of the Colts. But I guess if I were caveating the other side, Frank Reich should have some familiarity with the 
with the Eagles having been their OC right. last year. He's got I, more I don't know about, how much of an advantage. No, no, no. I think that's a big advantage because he knows more about the Eagles than the Eagles know about him. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't calling plays for them. He doesn't know how Frank Reich is, what he's really thinking about that team. So his his organizational knowledge is is better than their organizational knowledge of him. Yep, agreed. And my, my other NFL pick – is the Patriots coming off of the loss to Jacksonville. They got embarrassed. That was another game where it wasn't as close as the final score would indicate. Yeah. 31-20 was the final score, and the Jacksonville Jaguars took the Patriots to the woodshed. I just Anytime the Patriots lose, my antenna is up to bet on them the following week. I got in on them at under a touchdown at Matt Patricia and the Lions. Kind of weird that Belichick is getting two of his former assistants in the first two weeks of the season, or first three weeks of the season. But I just think the Lions are a disaster. The final score of their game last week is super deceptive. It was 30-27, the yeah. Niners. The Niners destroyed the Lions. The, Stafford the Lions got a couple. were never in that. They were never in that game. And so they've spent the entire season virtually never in a game so far. Bill Belichick, the last two seasons, 5-0 and against the spread coming off of a loss. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Tom Brady. Uh, Tom Brady, the more time he has to work with unfamiliar receivers – uh, that that tends to work in his favor. The big X, the big X factor here, I'm guessing, would be Josh Gordon. Yeah, and how much do you even factor him, him in? No, I you don't. just you you assume that if he's used at all, it's going to be in a minimal. I didn't capacity. I didn't I didn't think about him for one second when I was handicapping this game because I, yeah because it's I think it's going to be sparingly that they use him. Belichick uh, is pretending that Josh Gordon's not even on the team. As he's, That's uh, kind of what I did in my handicapping. Good. Well, I feel better about doing that. No, he hasn't. He didn't even acknowledge that the trade had gone through. Even oh, after really? everything was official, he said in his press conference, was it yesterday or the day before, that he wasn't, no, uh, look, until the trade is final, we're not going to talk about it. Nah. The trade's final. Yeah. Bill, he's going out to practice this did you, afternoon. Did you like the trade? I like the trade if it's the Patriots, yeah. I suppose. Because, for one, they've demonstrated the ability to absorb guys like that. And then they, they're not afraid to cut bait very, very quickly, like with Albert Hainsworth, if yeah. it's not going to work out. Um, so I like the trade because I don't think they gave up a whole lot. Yeah. If you, that drops down to a seventh-round pick, if Josh Gordon doesn't play 10 games, I mean, there's 14 games left in the season. If Josh Gordon is active for 10 games, then Josh Gordon is doing something right. Yeah. And – when it comes to will Josh Gordon make it, I, I I feel bad for Randy Moss that he's being dragged into this conversation because because he was the d- depressed asset that they that they had traded four years ago. Right. Yeah. Well, because the Patriots they talk about hey the Patriots brought in Randy Moss yeah. and Randy Moss was great for them and hey Josh Gordon is not always the ideal the ideal happy camper either. Maybe he's just like Randy Moss. Randy Moss did actually show up to games. Yeah. Know? Randy Moss wasn't suspended time after time. And well, they, those are different issues, too. I, I mean, I've heard yeah, that. one's Rand- an addiction issue. Right. One, one, I mean, Josh Gordon, you can't trust him because he can't trust himself. Right. Randy Moss was just going through what became a pattern eventually, but they got him at a time where he was – pissing off his most recent employer. Mm-hmm. That's how he left every he left that he left New England that way in two thousand nine. They end up I forget if they cut him or they traded him, but he wound up being in a Tennessee Titan for like two weeks and then he wound up with Minnesota for the rest of that season. Michael Lombardi was talking about this and he had been with Cleveland when Josh Gordon was there. Okay. I don't think he drafted Josh Gordon, but it was when Josh Gordon was very, very productive when he had his fifteen hundred plus twenty thirteen uh receiving. Yeah. And I, I think the thing that sticks out when you hear people talk about Josh Gordon is that he doesn't have a love for the game of football the way some other 
athletes who have addiction issues still love football. Like mm-hmm. Michael Irvin had substance abuse issues, but the thing that always stuck with him and the thing that he always came back to was that he just loved football. He'd still and be he playing if he could right now, Michael Irvin. Would. Right, you right. You know what I mean? Like and he- that's where what the what they'll say is football character. There's a difference right. between moral fiber on the outside world and then football character, mm-hmm. which is, you know, are you going to show up there? Are you, you going to be there for your teammates? Are you going to play through injury? Are you yeah. going to do all this? Uh, I played with Jimmy Smith, who was an excellent, excellent, excellent perennial Pro Bowl wide receiver for the Jaguars. He had substance abuse issues his whole for a big chunk of his career right. and then well on past his career. But you would never know it on the football team, you know, maybe guys in the wide receivers room knew, but I think even Keenan McCardle said that they didn't have a clue that a lot of that was just kind of blindsided them because he was a consummate professional inside the building. He loved football. Yeah. I'm not sure Josh Gordon loves football and you don't hear people will say he's a good guy. He's not a, he's not a bad person. You know, he's not out. uh, He's not committing crimes against other people, but he's also not necessarily a great teammate when it comes to being prepared. Got demons. Yeah. Yeah. Got demons. Um, so, yeah, so, so I, those are all Patriots, your NFL games. Those are my three NFL games. I, I have college ones, too, but we don't have to de- do a deep dive on those. What are, your, uh, what are your college picks you feel strongest about? Auburn minus 30 over Arkansas. Okay. Every year there's – it feels like – not every year, but it feels like every few years a team comes along in the Power Five that you can just bet against and bet against and bet against until you can't bet against them anymore. And I think Arkansas might be that team this year. They lost to North Texas. North Texas is a pretty decent team, but they lost to them last week. Part of it was that fake fair catch punt return that went viral. But, like, Washington State was a team like that a few years back, right before Mike Leach got there, where they were like – they won, like, four games in three years. Uh-huh. And the spreads couldn't go high enough. Auburn's favored by 30 over Arkansas, and they're coming off a loss to LSU, Auburn is. So, I think I feel like Gus Malzahn's going to – they're going to want to make statements in these mm-hmm. games because now they've lost a game already, and they're, they're still on the fringe of the playoff conversation because they only fell to ninth in the polls. But – um, that, feels a, like a, that feels like a, a final step. That, that feels like a uh, like a 60 to 14 kind of thing. I heard a theory once. Tell me if this sounds valid at all. And I'm sure you've heard it before, too, was that back in the day when it really mattered for the BCS or when the when the AP poll mattered so much, you had huge blowouts by powerful teams uh, because, you know, that was that was what looked best to get you high ranking. Um, and that's gone by the wayside somewhat, except that is there still a potential that some coaches might realize a lot of our boosters have a lot of money bet and gambled oh, on these totally. games. And that total, so that does, like, there's a little bit of a, like, in the back of the coach's mind or maybe the forefront in the fourth quarter, we know to cover that, that we need to keep the not foot every, on the gas pedal a not, little bit. Not every coach, but yeah. I, I mean, not every coach conducts business that way. Like, right. like Nick Saban doesn't have, uh, like, you know, he he's, you know, you can count on one hand how many games a guy loses in the last decade. But he's... His pattern is fairly predictable in that he usually – it's great to bet on Alabama in the first half, but then he's just going to grind the clock out in the second half. It's always good to bet the under in the second half of Alabama games because they usually just – they run the ball out. And so what happens in some of the Alabama games is if they're playing against an FCS team or if they're playing against a group of five team or in this – like if they're playing against Arkansas, you know, a lower-level power five team um, – it gets a little tricky because the spreads for Alabama are like up in the high 20s and low 30s. And if the other team pops a touchdown in the second half, you know, like Nick Saban doesn't care. He's just trying to get out of there with a win. 
So he sort, but I don't, I don't know if he's, the, if he's the exception of the rule. But yes, there are absolutely coaches who are cognizant of it. They'll never say it publicly. Right. Oh God, no! They would never can, put it in a memo or yes. No, so. but you can tell by the way they operate um, that that uh, that they're you know they're they're looking to help out some of the big boosters. Is it going to be really tricky to figure out Alabama this year now that they have an actual quarterback? Like, the, have we ever really well, seen a Nick Saban Alabama team where you have a quarterback that you're scared of, like the quarterback himself? Yeah, no, Seth, it's, that's a great question. It's new territory. It's almost like the opposite of what I just said about Arkansas. Right. Where we don't know what the ceiling is for Alabama right now. They, we've, they've never been this efficient offensively. Tua Tagovailoa is 13 for 13 for like 300 yards and six touchdowns on third down this year. He hasn't thrown an incompletion on third down. That's incredible. We had Johnny Harris on our show this week for his weekly hit on college football. My first question was, uh, hey, Johnny, I've got like week seven or eight when Tagovailoa is going to throw his first incompletion on third down. When when do you have it? Because that's how good he's been. He's been amazing. They, you're right. They've never had a quarterback like this. So they're favored over A&M, and I'm not touching that game this weekend just because this is the first decent defense that Alabama's played. But they're playing in Tuscaloosa. They're playing the Aggies in Tuscaloosa, and they're favored by four touchdowns. We uh, So we've run dry on our reality television concerning football yeah. teams. We had discussed maybe venturing outside the world of sports. I do wonder, uh, do you have any time to read during the season at all? Yeah. Do you? I'm Saturdays reading the, I'm, and Sundays. I'm reading The Big Game, okay. which is that book by the political writer. Yeah. Um, it was marketed as this tell-all book about the NFL. It it's It's more of kind of a tell-all book about the NFL but written from the point of view of a rabid Pats fan okay. and a lot of it a lot of it ends up feeling like okay I'm going to show what a clown Roger Goodell is yeah. and I'm I will be very surprised if the final chapter isn't a complete takedown of Deflategate but we will see part of me also cuts this guy a break because if you're going to write about the NFL over the course of the past three seasons yeah. he follows the NFL how do you take the Patriots out of a huge chunk of it? I mean, the the Patriots story and Roger Goodell versus the Patriots and yeah. Deflategate and the Patriots' continued dominance is kind of the story of the NFL over these last what few years. What was the story that came – like when that book first got released, there was a story, I forget, that we were all talking about out mm-hmm. of that book. Do you remember what it was? Oh, boy, there's a few. I mean, for well, locally, Bob McNair had a couple quotes. That's in what it, it was. That, that were is, discussed. That is what it was. Um, yeah, that is what it was. And it, it's hard to remember – which ones were publicly reported at the time and which ones were unique to this book itself. Right, right. Um, but some of the sniping between owners that goes on is is really fascinating in here. Right, they're they, McNair complaining about Goodell's salary. That's right, that which, which in is there. interesting. Okay. Cause now Mc, I remember. Yeah, because McNair is on the on the compensation committee. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right. The weirdest thing about it, and, and the image you start to get of Goodell. Like McNair complaining that his ticket prices are too high. Uh, yeah, exactly. I, you know what? I think the Texans <laughs> charge too much for tickets. You're the owner. The, the thing that really comes out of it is it starts to paint this portrait of this extremely paranoid Roger Goodell of this guy this guy's his goal in life as a teenager was to be commissioner of the NFL his only employer has ever been the NFL and you get this feeling that this guy's almost too close to ever like he almost too fully is born and bred 
into the NFL for him to realize how ridiculous some of the things he does are. Yeah. Where, where other commissioners are usually successful people from other walks of life and they have perspective on things. Roger Goodell is like a Jonestown believer, okay. you know, and like I feel like I feel like he would drink the Kool-Aid. He would take the cyanide pill before he would ever admit that, OK, the NFL might be flawed in some serious ways well, that we need to that's address. Indi- indicative in his behavior. I, that's in a way I kind of admire that 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 was a goal he set as a young kid. And there's only one commissioner of the NFL. Yeah. Like, forget. It. I mean, I know he had, you know, he he. I'm sure it was very connected in the ways in which he wound up with that job, but that's part of getting a lot of jobs is knowing the right people and things like that. Uh, no, and his father was a his father was a politician, yeah. and they talk about how he learned kind of the way to I don't want to say glad hand people, but to just be a to be a political soul. Yeah, I I admire. I say I didn't know that story about him. I admire that story about him infinitely more than I admire his actual work as the commissioner of the NFL. To set your sights on something like that, and I had that thought, in terms of choosing a job that you want in life that isn't one, it's a very elevated one, Yeah. but nobody, so few people would actually start off from high school thinking like, that's the job I'm going after. Yeah. You have an immense head start if you pick that job. No so question. I don't know, man. Like maybe it's I don't know what your goal would be. Uh, superintendent of the New York City Public Schools. Dude. I'm sure they make pretty good money. I, uh, so, right. So like if I were to when I was sixteen year old sixteen years old say, I'm gonna set my sights on being superintendent of the New York City public schools. Yeah. I feel like I've got a much better chance of attaining that totally. than like setting some other similarly high station, but that is highly sought after. Where instead of some, kind of stumbling into it like some people, you set your sights on that at the age of sixteen. Because most teenagers' goal is to get beer, right, <laughs> and get laid, <laughs> or to be like I'm going to be the MVP of the Super Bowl someday. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. you and you and two million other kids. Right. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep trying to get you out of here under thirty minutes. So that's okay. Uh, I, well, real quick, I'm oh, gonna okay. get my other two college picks, and I'll do these quickly. West Virginia minus sixteen over Kansas State. Okay. West Virginia's chomping at the bit because they had their last game canceled from the hurricane so they had a week off and kansas state goes to morgantown and i'm going to continue to bet against florida state until the odds makers <laughs> induce me not to that is the worst coached football team i've ever seen i feel like that's, thank you to syracuse while mike like melter is in the room i might have that my gut would have told me that that was a good strategy and uh now that you've confirmed yeah. it sean the badger northern, yeah, of, of sean, Gamble, i like that sean gamblecast the, yeah. tv northern illinois plus 10 and a half by the way is their opponent this weekend oh, okay. i am betting on northern illinois in tallahassee that's how bad for florida northern state illinois is. to only be plus 10 and a half versus the florida state oh, seminoles but Bobby Bowden's rolling over in his grave. I right feel now. bad for Travis Johnson and all my other right, Florida Bobby State Bowden's fans. Still alive, I think. Right? Is Bobby Bowden still alive? He's yeah. His uh, he's rolling over in his uh, he's rolling over in a pot of tapio- gravy. Is what tapio- that dude tapio- is. Les Miles has gotten skinny as hell. I don't think Bobby Bowden gives a dude, damn. Dude, and he's stylish too. Les Miles. He's got on like the skinny jeans and like the untucked shirt. It's, he's doing podcasts. Uh, that's right. <laughs> all right. Awesome, man. Thanks a lot. Pleasure. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 